Hi, if I could take a moment of your time before we start. If you've enjoyed previous episodes or if you enjoy this episode, if you could subscribe on the platform that you listen to, that would be really helpful. It helps us get more guests and push the podcast forward. Thanks. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hi everyone, welcome to the Car Chat Podcast. I am Sam Moores and with us today we have Luke Sutton. Hello. Hello Sam, how are you doing? <laughs> very good, very good. Welcome to the podcast. Can you tell the listeners a little bit about who you are and what you do? Uh, absolutely, so um, my name's Luke Sutton, um, obviously working for Clive Sutton Limited. It's a father and son duo, um, so my father founded the business about 35 years ago. Um, I personally joined seven or eight years ago. Uh, and my main focus is our operations. So the day-to-day -day management of our business, um, you know, anything from the buying side, selling side, importation side, general management of our of our day-to-day -day operations. Mm. Um, and Clive is very much still involved um, and his focus is more on a strategic level. So he's focusing on the strategy, the finance, and sort of, you know, not so involved in the nitty-gritty of the day-to-day, -day, um, but he's still very much hands-on and involved. Sure. Um, so, and, and for you, I'm, <laughs> I'm guessing this journey started literally when you were born, um, but... Was, was the business around when, when you were tiny? Yep, so it's a fair question. So, yeah, you could argue I was born into the role. Um, you know, <laughs> the business has been running for, you know, 35 years plus. Um, so, you know, when I was growing up, there were always, always nice cars around. Um, you know, originally, uh, you know, when my old man was 16, he started buying and selling cars from the front of his family home. Uh, his parents were doctors and were desperate for him to go into the academic career. Um, but yeah. as most people know, once you have the taste for the automotive world, um, it sort of ropes you in. Uh, and he's incredibly passionate, you know, lives, breathes and, and, and you know, dies for cars. Uh, yeah. So instead of going down the university route, uh, he ended up joining a main dealership when he was. 
was 17. Uh, he spent four or five years there and, um, you know, at 25, 26 years old, um, left and, and started off his own adventure. Uh, now, originally, that started off um, servicing and upgrading and, and, and sort of working with the Jaguar product. Um, and mm -hmm. alongside that, started buying and selling a few Jaguars. Uh, and that sort of evolved eventually into getting the Jaguar franchise. Um, so it became large franchise dealer for Jag. Uh, that then evolved into being a very large franchise dealer for Jeep. Chrysler, um, also for MG Rover at a time when they had um, sensible product back in the day. Uh, and this was sort of all pre-millennium stroke around the millennium sort of time. And in the early 2000s, um, sold out of all the franchises and became an uh, independent specialist. And over time, what we've been involved in has evolved and changed. Um, but in the early 2000s, it was very much in sort of the hypercar, supercar sort of territory, Ferraris, okay. Astons, um, Bugattis, you know, that sort of elk of cars. Um, and as time sort of progressed, we moved into more volume-based cars. Uh, so, you know, now we pretty much would have a go at anything um, between the 40,000 to 250,000 price point up to about five years old and, and up to about 50,000 miles, you know, with a few exceptions here or there, but, you know, generally mm. we would stock pretty much anything in that criteria. And alongside that, we have um, our specialist import side of the business where we import generally you know, very desirable U.S. Canadian models like Cadillac Escalades, Dodge Challengers, Mustangs. Um, and, you know, we're one of, I would say, the leading player in the U.K. of, of focusing with specialist import products. Uh, and we also do a lot of um, bespoke programs. So we will take there's a few specific models which we'll obviously run through in, 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 in more detail. Uh, but when the Mustang was released in right-hand drive in 2015, we created, you know, we'd been working with American-based cars for, for decades, uh, but we created mm. a very bespoke program for the UK-based Ford Mustang. And, you know, we're souping charging cars up to 850 brake horsepower and, and doing all sorts of bonkers things to them. Um, and we work with um, also the Mercedes-Benz, so Sprinter and V-Class, where we are yeah. stripping them out completely and doing VIP conversions. So, you know, the business has evolved into, you know, I would say, you know, very varied and very diverse in what we're involved in and, and what we would, um, you know, what we buy and sell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, that's probably sound, it sounds like quite a fun, diverse bunch of stuff to be to be dealing with. So did you did you go straight in to the company or did you go away and then come in? Yeah, fair question. So I, I think because I grew up always surrounded um, by very nice cars, I, I wouldn't necessarily have described myself as a, a natural petrol head. I think, you know, they were always around me. And I think, you know, I went to university. I went to Nottingham University. I got a business management degree. Um, initially wanted to get into management consultancy because a lot of my focus and interest comes from, you know, the entrepreneurial side of things or, the, you know, the mm. business side of things. And, you know, I ended up after university going into one of the big corporates, spent six months there, 
absolutely hated it um for the corporate <laughs> world uh, for me felt spineless and um you know there was no element for many 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 years of having any form of creativity or or really proper involvement um so i came back to the business initially to um make some money to go traveling for a year and sort of have an assessment of where i wanted to go yeah started selling cars started getting involved and you know we're six seven years later and uh, and now fully involved nice nice i've got a i've got quite a few friends who sort of i'd say started down this a similar route at the start some are still in the management consultancy roles and um i don't i i don't know how they do it to be honest i have no mm. idea like getting farmed out to various companies left right and center yeah i think it's also just being a something. small a small cog in a, in, a, in just a, an enormous wheel you know the company i was at seven thousand employees i mean a graduate coming out of uni to be frank they have very little real care for and um you know i think in the terms of then coming into the family business you know appreciating the history and appreciating you know the respect that we sort of have in the industry um you know i think if being frank if we were just mundelling you know if it was just retailing bmws or we had five or six products and we were a franchise dealer i think it would be less interesting i think we're involved mm. in so many different niches and we're always pushing the boat um with what we're doing to cars and cars we're thinking about getting involved in you know every single week every single day there's new challenges new um you know new hurdles to get over so it's you know it certainly keeps the mind active yeah yeah, yeah. and as i've been having a bit of a browse over over the website and i i, I sort of had heard of you guys because of American cars, I think, is probably <laughs> where I've come across you before. Of I know you did do a lot of importing. Now, and I haven't, I'm thinking about it, I haven't really seen cars, I'm not aware of anyone else that does it. Now, I'm sure there are people that do it, but that says to me that it's probably slightly complicated. Yes. And there's got, got to be things in it that uh, make it a bit interesting and sort of why you wouldn't necessarily jump Correct. in. Correct. Uh, talk to me about importing cars. Uh, yeah, so I, I think generally the market for US cars is now quite considerable. And, you know, if you go even when I joined the company, sort of 2015-ish sort of time, you know, there was this shift in quality of cars that the US were producing. And I think, you know, everyone has in their mind the stereotype that, you know, oh, a Mustang, you know, very nice performance, can't go around corners, got plastic interior. And when you compare that against the UK or the European offering where, you know, cars generally have been very well built, um, interior quality is very nice. You know, I, I think in more recent times, the production in America has just come so far. So, you know, there are plenty of makes and models that I can list off that actually when you put them alongside what the relative competitor would be in the UK, mm. apart from standing up on a quality basis, you know, you then bring value into mind. And, you know, there's countless examples of US-based performance cars where you can be getting, you know, seven, 800 horsepower, high-performance vehicle, um, buying them new yeah. for well under £100,000, which, you know, when you think in the UK offering, there's there's very few cars that you can even get anywhere near. 
So, you know, yeah. I think there are definitely, there's a few players in the UK that do it. I think what distinguishes us from them is when any new model comes out, uh, we will more or less commit to buying half a dozen of them straight away. Uh, we will always okay. try to bring the first ones in um, so that we can have them before competitors. Uh, but some of the yeah. bigger value items, you know, the, the Cadillac Escalades, the new model, you know, we're talking upwards of $120,000 for a brand new car. And once you do the importation mm. and the customs duty, you know, you're dealing with quite weighty items. So, you know, we're yeah. able to literally and financially literally and financially <laughs> exactly that um you then have the difficulty of the process of actually importing the cars so you know the 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 process of buying a car in the us is nothing like the uk you know you agree with a uk based dealer if you have signed paperwork and you have a deposit over you know you have that order with that dealer in the US, yeah. they don't quite have the same integrity as, as we do here. So, you know, we have tried to buy countless cars that we have put deposits down, we have signed paperwork for, and the cars somehow vanish. Now, the reason they vanish is because they have in the US a pricing structure called um, MSRP, which stands for the Manufacturer's Suggested Retail Price. That means that different dealers, for example, if we're talking about a Cadillac Escalade, if they get the understanding that actually there's a premium going for these cars right now, uh, they can very legitimately um, sell those cars for higher prices than a Cadillac dealer down the road. You know, whereas in the UK, if you walk into Land Rover, you walk into Ford, you walk into Porsche, yeah. the manufacturer sets a list price and all of those dealers sell the cars for those list price. So if you're ordering cars and all of a sudden the demand and supply has changed and there's premiums going for it, the dealers will, without any regret, sell it to the highest bidder. You know, they don't care about honoring any previous agreements. If they can sell the car for more money, they'll sell the car for more money. So I think the yeah. nature in acquiring the cars themselves are a little bit more challenging. Um, once you purchase them, um, there's a huge admin and logistical trail um, from one getting the cars out of the dealers there, getting them to their local ports from wherever the dealers are, because you know a lot of the cars that we're working with are very short in supply. So we may find a car in the middle of Texas, nowhere near any port that's shippable. Yeah. So we have to arrange the shipping and logistics to get the car even to the port. Once you ship the car over, um, the admin trail begins with HMRC on our side um, and the DVLA, um, because when it arrives, uh, you have 10% duty and 20% VAT on modern-based cars. Um, classic cars, you have a yeah. slight exemption. They don't have quite the same import duty levels. Um, but, you know, you have 30% of taxes as soon as that car arrives at the UK port. Yeah. Um, and then once it arrives at the port and you've gone through the customs clearance, you've notified HMRC that the vehicle's here, um, the cars have to go through mm. a very stringent process with the DVLA called the IVA, which is the Individual Vehicle Approval. Now, in order to get the cars passed, there's various adaptions that are needed um, in order for them to comply to UK safety standards. 
Now, most of them really relate to the lighting side of things. So we're talking about side repeaters, okay. brake lights, where the rig for, fog light is placed. You know, we also have some cars that surpass decibel levels, so we have to address those situations. Um, but it's a very complicated process, and it's never a guarantee as to what each examiner deems each car. You know, I often describe it to customers right. as it's almost similar to a school examiner having a criteria of how to mark an exam, but ultimately that school examiner is going to have its own opinions or its own stance on certain things. You know, we had 10 F-150 Raptors that we had sold, delivered, imported, registered, and the 11th one was failed on something that 10 other cars were already on the road for. And, you know, which is just, you know, and there's countless examples of makes and models that the DVLA or the DVSA will take a peculiar stance on. And you have to find workarounds in order to to get them passed. You know, at the moment, we've got two Toyota Alphas, which are the equivalent of the V-Class, but made for the Asian market. So these were sourced from Japan. Okay we forward sold the cars before they arrived and um, they arrived in the UK in December. Now, because it is a 3.5 liter petrol hybrid, the DVSA and DVLA took a a very difficult stance on the emissions and and how we have to um, qualify the emissions. So we know what tax ban the car fits for in the UK. We are still going through that process and these cars arrived in December. And we have had to spend over £8,000 on an emissions grade report where we've had to isolate where the electric input from the hybrid power section is coming from. And, you know, it's been a complete nightmare. Um, So I can see why many people are are, are put off the process because it's evolving, it's changing, and there will always be curveballs thrown in that you, you weren't necessarily expecting or anticipating. Okay, and so some of them, some of them importing, to, I know people will have have all sorts of reasons, but why would someone import, what's the sort of logic behind importing a car like that to the UK when, you know, you could just buy a right-hand drive, whatever, V-Class or something. In the terms here. of the Alphard or just general imports altogether? Yeah. Yeah. Generally, when there's similar, similar. So, yeah, stuff like the yeah, uh, the, the Alphard has been... We always knew there was going to be interest in it because there is a huge amount, there's a huge community of, um, you know, individuals that have moved here from Japan and China. And, you know, I think as a consumer, they generally are very brand loyal. So they, those cars are out there in abundance. You know, they are actually quite an amazing setup with how the seating configurations can work that, 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 they have more unique mad. options than I would say a V-Class has as standard. And, yeah. you know, it's familiar to them. So when it's over here and they realize they can buy it and they realize they can have, you know, all of the normal manufactured experience in the terms of being able to finance it and have warranty protection, you know, they like it as a, as a potential option. Yeah, I can see you've got the pictures up. Oh, wow. So this is clearly these clearly get done by a few people. The, um, I've got some pictures up yeah. for those that are listening. Um, yeah, they look they look 
look nice. I could see why you would have one of these. They're crazy yes. exterior uh, design. You, I think Marmite is the way to describe it. Um, you either think it looks yeah. revolting or you think it looks lovely. I'd say my stance is probably right in the middle. Um, but we've been truly stunned. I mean, you know, we could have sold the two that we had 30 times over. And if we hadn't wow. had the complications we had with the DVLA in registering them, we would have already had imported, you know, a half a dozen or a dozen more. The thing is, now that we've gone through this process and we've successfully got to the end of it, uh, we can now bring in others without any complication. Um, so we will now be bringing in others because yeah. the, the level of interest and demand has just been ridiculous. And what, so you basically, what sort of cost uplift do you have on a car? Are you saying it's 10% yeah. and then 20%? Oh, that's probably not quite, it's you know, sort ish, of 30% yeah. ish. Um, and then plus some fees and whatnot mm. and stuff along the way. Um, like with things like, you know, the Cadillacs and stuff, is it generally someone's had one at home and they want one here or just some people just go, I just really want one. It's so varied. Um, I I think sort of what I mentioned before about the general overall quality now of the cars being so much better than they were Hmm. when you're dealing with something like an Escalade. I mean, the typical buyer is someone who has got a large family of five people plus they need to be able to drive around and still have luggage space. And there isn't really a car in the UK you can do that with without putting a roof box on the top of the roof. So you then start dealing into these large American SUVs and why people would buy them. Uh, You know, you can get seven or eight full-size people, and I'm not talking silly jump seats in the bank where no one can sit properly. You know, (laughs) you can get seven or eight genuine seats um, with boot space enough for maybe six or seven full-size pieces of luggage. So, you know, as a way to get the family around, you know, there actually isn't a UK offering for that specific car when you think SUVs, you know, the seven seat SUVs, you know, generally they have poxy jump seats in the back and no boot space. So, yeah. you know, I think that's, that, that's yeah. the answer on the, on the SUV side of things. I think when you come to the muscle car side of things, it, it's slightly different. And I think a lot of people yeah, yeah, yeah. have had that Mustang poster on the wall or have watched a film, you know, Bullet, Chase, you know, Gone in 60 Seconds, where the flagship cars are Mm. these iconic US muscle performance cars. And it's often a dream for people to own one. And, you know, when they find out there's a UK-based company who is, you know, giving all the comforts and benefits that they could have as if they were buying a Mercedes C-Class or a Porsche or whatever it is, um, you know, it becomes quite compelling. And you then compare pricing-wise, you know, a, a brand-new Dodge Challenger Hellcat wide-body, 717 brake horsepower for £105,000. You do a Shelby GT500 Mustang, 760 brake horsepower, you know, the fastest production muscle car um, Ford has ever made, 115 to £120,000. And then you think, well, what could you get for that sort of money? You know, you're obviously in 911 money, you're in Aston money, you know, maybe used Continentals. And there's something very different and special about having, you know, an iconic, you know, V8 engine um, that a lot of people have seen in films and and dreamed of. And there's Mm. none here. (laughs) 
So like, no, there's not going to be any others. You're not, well, chances are you probably yeah. will because that's how the world works, but unlikely to see some other ones. Because like things like Hellcat, those cars, when they came out, and there's, you know, the America's been doing that sort of thing for a while. But you look, at, you look over and go, how can you buy a car like that for the prices that they are in the States. Mm. I know they're made there and whatever, blah, 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 blah. But when you look at sort of American performance cars, and I know they're a bit different to European performance cars, but they're so much cheaper <laughs> like for like relative sort of engine spec, whatever. It's just a huge chunk less. So I guess that in itself means that when you do bring them over and you pay all the stuff and whatever like you said they still sort of sit in quite a nice they don't, they're not just like 200 grand for something yeah and i think you, you touched on something really good there you know it's also something different you know when you're the sort of person who i wouldn't say is a serial car buyer but once every one or two years has been changing your cars you know it gets to three years old and you chop out of it you sort of tick those boxes and then you think well what's next on the list you know, we have had so many people in the last few mm. years who have gone into an American car for the first time, you know, part exchanging with us. We had a gentleman who part exchanged a Porsche Taycan with us about last month. And he since now he's got this American buzz in him. He's bought three different Mustangs from us in various iterations. And I think once you start <laughs> ticking down the list of cars that you've done, experiences that you've had, then you start looking at well what else can i get and you know it's a completely different experience you know when you're buying a muscle car that's got you know 800 horsepower ish plus and you know their rear wheel drive you know it's a much more raw it's a much more experience orientated purchase you know some would say not a sensible purchase but you know i have never delivered a car um specifically the performance stuff to any customer who hasn't called me within 24 hours and just been you know my mind is blown you know i can't believe i didn't do this earlier and then <laughs> comes back and you know adds all sorts of different american cars or imports to the lineup because it's something completely different yeah 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 and is, is there like a, a gateway drug that seems to get people in or? Um, it depends scatter. on their reason for buying. I mean, all customers buy things ultimately for different reasons. Some are practical reasons. Um, you know, some are emotional reasons. Uh, Mustang is generally because Ford released the Mustang in right hand drive. I think it gave a lot of buyers in the UK the experience of what the American purchase would look like. And I think that then opens up into, right, well, the next step's probably a Challenger or a Camaro. Um, then it's, well, actually, my family could do with a bigger car. Do I go for a Lincoln, a GMC? And um, so, yeah, I think probably the gateway drug, if that's what you'd like to call it, I'm sure Ford wouldn't like to hear it, but it's, it's probably the Mustang. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think if I was... That, that if I was going to get an American muscle car and I could see how at some point in time you're like, well, I've driven, you know, I've tried all these various experiences and whatnot and I've not had an American muscle car. And like, they are a thing. I get quite a big chunk of movies and culture and, and whatnot. And then for me, it would have to be a Mustang, would have to be the first, the first way in and probably mm. an old one. Although I, I, I don't know, I've, I've been in one Mustang 
one i think i've been in one older mustang and it definitely had some issues was a bit iffy seemed a bit sketchy um and that's not really what i'm about so i'm <laughs> i'm sure they vary massively depending on how much for sure i mean money you know you classic cars can be you know a labor of love and you know we do apart from importing um classic cars for people so we could have someone a customer come to us give us his rough criteria of what he's looking for and we will go outsource and find one. Mm. Um, you know, we also build in the UK, I would say three to four a year of fully restored 1967 or 1968 Mustangs. Um, and that process is quite fascinating. Um, you know, we can start off with a car that we would deem as semi-workable um, or we can start off with a complete rusting shell and start the process from start to finish. So, you know, I think depending on what someone's budget is, what their vision is, what they're intending on using the car for, you know, the pricing for a reasonable classic Mustang, you know, can start anywhere from the forty to £50,000 mark and quite easily go into the £300,000 mark, depending on how much money has been spent on it, um, you know, how much of the car is original, if it's a licensed Shelby or not a licensed Shelby. Uh, but, you know, we've been involved in classic Mustangs for nearly three decades. And, you know, we will often have someone approach us with a rough idea or agenda or something they're fixed on. And after really sounding them out and getting to the, you know, the nitty gritty of what the purchase is for, um, you know, we guide them through the process and either can try and source a car that's built that that ticks the boxes um, or we go through the process of walking them through the project of, of building their own one. That's probably quite fun. Like dealing with one, the different customers and then also trying to trying to piece together what the vision is and like. Yeah, I mean, it's great. I mean, you know, I think um we like on a purchase like that or when someone commits to a very custom build um, and I'll share my screen with you shortly and go through some of the custom builds that we're working on. You know, we like the customer to be involved as much as possible um, because, you know, there are so many different custom options. You know, we're not just talking about choosing a couple of different engines, choosing a, a, a couple of different body colors and a few selectable options like you would normally have on a car. You know, I think with our um, modern Mustang offering, you know, we've got a 15-page brochure of, you know, a list upon list upon list of different options, you know, even down to the, the you know, the details of the stitching color and the, the color on some of the branding badges. And, you know, it's a very unique purchasing experience because, you know, you're fully involved in the design and the concept. And as the builds progress along, we very much, you know, people can either come down and, and, and see the cars or, you know, we can share all the footage. And, you know, when you eventually get the end product, you've mm. put so much more into the process. You're, you're so much more bonded with the car by the end of it. We very rarely see them back. I mean, the, the 1967 Mustangs, you know, I think in the past seven or eight years, I think we've maybe had three or four back that we were involved in building. Uh, mostly the customers end up keeping them and treasuring them. And it's that sort of purchase that you think you're going to hand down to your kids at some stage. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I think going through someone through that custom pro- process is great. And, um, you know, I think we've invested heavily in, in, 
digital configurators and 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 processes because it can be a very complicated process you know not everyone you know very few customers have the technical understanding or you know experience in ever modifying cars before what would be a sort of standard set of things i know each one's different yada 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 but like what's the sort of standard sort of things that someone might do with a, a classic Mustang? If we're starting with a car that they already own, you know, the main thing is they just want to understand, is it a good car? So I think that the fundamentals when you come to a classic are obviously rust-free um, bodywork, um, you know, frames all intact, you know, obviously suspension, braking, the fundamentals of the car operating properly. Um, you know, once we're at that base level, a lot of the interiors have hadn't, hadn't had any love in a huge amount of time. So, you know, doing upholstery and trimming. Um, but a lot of the time, people are just focused on, I want power and I want noise. You know, I want a new engine. I want a big block <laughs> engine. I want a V8. I want a new exhaust. I want this to sound and, you know, be powerful like it should be. You know, the truth behind it is there's often a lot more that needs to be done in the pecking order before you get to those elements, you know, yeah. there's no point sticking on a, you know, a big block engine onto a car if it's going to fall apart while you've got it on it. So, you know, we guide people, yeah. we take the cars in, we give very honest, thorough reports on conditions of cars, what our advice would be, you know, we map out a plan of, you know, if you haven't got this as your budget to do right now, these are the things we put as priority. These are the things to consider in a year's yeah. time. And, you know, eventually this is the end goal. Yeah, because you never, you never really know or you, or you don't know what, is, what the car is actually like until you blast all the paint and filler and whatever off it. Now, presumably not everybody wants to do that on their car. So they're... I guess there is a slight, there's always going to be an element of slight sort of guesswork at condition, unless you're going for the full. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we had a car in about two months ago um, where the customer originally was wanting to do the upholstery and flooring because it looked like it was damp. We pulled the carpet up. Yeah. And all of a sudden we found like a, a, a pit of bones actual bones like animal bones <laughs> so we start pulling it away yeah, yeah. and then you can see that the some sort of rat or mouse had been scouring away and um, you know you could see the actual bones of the animal there and had caused all sorts of damage to the to the actual body of the car itself so um yeah it's certainly a case of you know a, a discovery as you go along um, you know, you can, um, there's only so much you can see on the naked eye until you start getting, you know, into the nitty gritty of it. So, um, yeah, we try to work, you know, we're never the type of people that will take a car in, start committing to loads of work, start pushing the envelope out. You know, we understand people have varying budgets, you know, we're fortunate that we're based very centrally in London and we're surrounded by a lot of affluent customers um, some of which, you know, money isn't the top agenda. They just want the best quality. And we deal with other people where obviously budgets and what they're spending are much more of a focus. So, you know, we work with everyone in a very fair and honest way and start off with just conducting an overall report and review. And as things progress, we, you know, we keep them informed and, um, you know, work with them to get exactly what they want to achieve. Yeah, so I'm aware of 
quite a few people I know and, and I know it happens a lot is you send a car in for someone uh, someone to do some work and they start the work and then they're like oh, and then we found this and then we found this and you're like ah but you don't you then end up you get to that I think you get to that point where cars get mm. kind of like halfway and then and but you can't leave it halfway otherwise they're literally worth like nothing and you're like okay this is going to turn into a two year build just because I can commit X amount of money every now and then and we'll eventually get there or, you know, that sort of thing. So it's definitely a, a hazard of of working with with things. And people, I think, well, most people I know are reasonably honest and upfront about like, this is what we think, but we don't know. Like, it's possible that, you know, there could be a mouse that's just destroyed everything or it, one little drip of, water in the garage has been on one place and it's gone through the entire car yeah. all the way through. So at what point did you start modifying sort of newer cars, like the Mustangs and stuff? I think the, the Mustang, we've always been involved. I mean, Clive's passion has always been modifying cars. I think his first car he got ended mm. up putting suicide doors or something silly on. Um, he's always had a passion <laughs> on tinkering with cars. And I mean, I now share that same passion. I can't have yeah. a, just a normal standard car, always doing something to it. You know, I think over the years, we always had requests from people, you know, can you wrap this? Can you tint this window? Can you do this dashboard? Actually, I quite like the wheels to be a slightly different color. And our issue is that we can yeah. never say no to business. So we take on all sorts of <laughs> ridiculous projects. Um, and so, you know, we've taken year, many decades of experience in, in modifying and upgrading cars. I, I, I think really in the past decade has it become, you know, a considerable part of the business. And, you know, apart from the classic Mustang and modern Mustang, I mean, the modern Mustang being released in right-hand drive made it a massive volume car here. So we made a very conscious decision that we were going to invest quite heavily in a Mustang modification program just for that car. And I think 20, since 2015, mm. we've, we're, we're over 90 cars now that we've done some considerable level of build on. Um, and I'll actually show you part of the investment, and I will, for those not able to see screen... I will run through slightly, but we spent a year and a half developing a very high quality 3D configurator. Um, so for those that are listening, you can go on yeah. SuttonMustang.com. Nice. Um, and within this configurator, um, you can spec out pretty much exactly um, the offering we have, um, the power packages you can see. We do more modest power package upgrades. So we do an engine tune and a remap and a cold air intake um, for the 500 odd horsepower upgrade. Also, you can go up to seven and 800 horsepower. Yeah. Um, you know, you can flick here and you can then see different exhaust options we have. You can go into the exterior side of things. Nice. And you can really see in very good detail um, what the final output of each decision is going to be. And I mean, yeah, this has been yeah. hilarious for us at times where we've had families come in, father, son, daughter, and we've got the kids pointing out to their dad, Oh, you've got to get this. That looks great. And you, you know, you've got to get the lights. The lights are brilliant. And 
you know, we're watching the children basically right. upselling their dad into basically a much larger bill. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. We found the having the configurator in itself has been very good for, like you said, upselling and or just, you know, explaining to people all the options and giving them a an overall idea. Because when you get an option sheet, and I've seen it for some like high-end resto mods and stuff where you've just literally, you just get a list. And unless you really know like what exactly it is, especially when it comes to things like interiors and stuff, it's like the stitching, everyone's been on, you know, your Porsche configurator or whatever, the stitching for the blah, blah, blah. You're like, I don't know what that is. It's somewhere. But like... So yeah, I mean, I think the configurator has been fundamental. And I think apart from it, you know, just for the Mustang side of things. I mean, the car world has really gone digital, really, especially as a result of COVID. Um, People moving around less, people more willing and trusting to actually go through this process on a a fully digital start. So, you know, I think the configurator Mm. has been crucial for the success of that program. Um, One, because you can see just through some of the options I've scanned through now, there are generally very considerable length of options you can choose. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. When you see something written down, you don't get an understanding of what it looks like. You know, so one, it enables us to present to someone who doesn't necessarily know the ins and outs of what a rear valance even is, you know, or someone who doesn't understand what different side scoops are or, you know, to really hold their hand and walk them through and say, right, well, this is what it's going to look like. This is the, you can submit for a quote here. You'll get the full breakdown of exactly what that will um, cost. And then you can say, well, yeah, I want to do X, Y, and Z, but I don't want to do this. Um, So it's been fundamental for making the purchasing process as quick and as simple as possible. Um, It's also enabled us to do business in different parts of the country and in different um, markets across Europe where someone can't Mm. just walk into the showroom and see what's going on. So, you know, we have a dealer set up in um, France, in Paris, um, who uses this configurator. Um, He sends us the cars, we build them, he specs them out with his customer. And his sales guys are obviously not going to have as in-depth of understanding of, of what we do compared to us. But with this tool, it enables them to be able to run through the customer journey in very much the same way um, and still get the sales and understanding. Um, So, yeah, it's definitely for the Mustang side of things, it's been fundamental. And um, 
we're actually just in the process. We do a full conversion on the London-based VIP, well, the London taxi. And um, we're just in the final throes um, of also building a a full configurator for that because it will be fundamental for it. So talk me through, I saw that at a show, I can't remember which one, one of the London ones. I think it was pretty probably. Um, (laughs) Yeah, that one. And... (laughs) And and so I, I, as a kid, there was someone that lived near me that had a London taxi uh, with a driver in it. And I'm pretty sure back then it was basically just a taxi, except it was a private vehicle um, and they used it to get chauffeured around. Who buys a London taxi now that's obviously not a London, just someone being a taxi driver? Um, so our general customer for something like this, um, I would say, is high net worth individual that obviously has a driver, um, corporates, um, entrepreneurs. We've just done three to a members club in Palm Beach, Florida, that we've okay. got the order for and we're progressing with. We have a few very large London-based hotels um, that are very interested. And I think... You know, if you're thinking about the private individual first before going on to the corporate, yeah. um, you know, people who are chauffeur driven don't always want to arrive in a big flashy Rolls Royce Cullinan or, yeah. you know, they don't want to always arrive and make a statement. A lot of the time people want to arrive and actually be under the radar. Yeah, yeah. So when you start off with the base car that is so instantly recognizable that no one will look twice, you know, a lot of people and that is fully designed for the rear passengers in mind, you know, you've got a huge amount of working space in the back of a taxi. If you think when you go into one and you sit and you think about the space that you have in front of you, you know, as opposed to sitting behind the seat of a Range Rover, you know, you instantly have more space, you know, the suspension and the design is set up for the rear passenger. So they're, you know, they're very comfortable ride. Um, but the thing they're lacking from standard is they don't, you know, they're obviously not the most luxurious car on the inside because you have to comply to all of TFL's standards and regulations. So what we, we actually, this was not a fundamental part of our business plan whatsoever. Um, we had built a V class with a similar custom interior for a customer of ours. He said to us, would we consider doing it to the London taxi? We said, well, you know, not not our plans, but we'd have a look. Within 24 hours, one arrived at my office. He said the car's arrived. Um, And (laughs) uh, work on it, and and let's let's build something. So um, we built our first one about eight, nine months ago. We did one PR release on it that went viral in over 35 countries or or something ridiculous. You know, off the back of that, we then started formal discussions with LEVC, who are the manufacturer of the car. And, um, you know, myself and Clive, we took the taxi down to their main production office. um, So their main manufacturing plant, Um, you know, we had the CEO, head of sales, head of marketing, blown away by what we were doing. Yeah, but loved loved it. it. Loved it. They thought, you know, one, you know, it creates a whole different appeal and outlook to the the taxi. Um, 
And, you know, from that moment on, we became officially authorized by them. So everything we do is done with the manufacturer's consent. You get full three-year warranty on the base car. You get three-year warranty from us on the conversion. So you have an OEM-style um, warranty um, package on something so custom. Uh, and we're now doing them in in more volume really than I think we ever anticipated. Um, so we, we've gone down the route now of also building yet another one of our lovely configurators. Oh, nice. Yeah. Um, and this, you know, you can, we're in the final stages. This is going to be launched, I would say within the month. We're basically there now. Yeah. Um, but again, you can go inside and, you know, we can set these up so that it's just for two passengers in the rear with a fully cut off division. Let me just make this all a bit lighter so you can see. And again, I'll give you the links after so the podcast listeners can actually um, see this and see what we're sort yeah, of running yeah. through here. Um, but, you know, in the divide itself, you've got different options with how many seats you can have there. So you can have a straight wall or you can have three drop-down seats depending on how many passengers. So you can really set them up to be super flexible depending on how each customer is planning on using it. Um, you may yeah, have someone yeah. who wants to have six people in the back. You may have someone who just wants to drive in it alone. It's quite a nice idea. I, I'd not really thought about it from the sort of flying under the radar side of it because like a lot of these things, whether it's a, a V-class of various, you know, sort of Mercedes size or whatever, or you know, a, your typical luxury vehicle, you are, you are very much making some sort of statement whether you want to or not. And it's not just, I like a nice comfy car. It's, uh, you know, whatever that image is. And then you get out and, you know, so-and-so, you just turn up in a Phantom or whatever. Whereas this, you like you say, you're just cruising through traffic. Everyone's like, oh, it's just a taxi. Exactly that. And then, yeah, inside, you've got all the good stuff. Exactly. And, you know, the stuff that we're using really is the best that money can buy, really. You know, all, all the leathers of Bentley Napa leather. Um, you know, we've got 30 different wood, genuine mahogany wood samples that someone can use for the veneers. Uh, you know, we've taken the Rolls-Royce self-closing door mechanism so that the doors can self-close. Nice. Um, in the middle armrest, we've got the retractable tables that you take from the, the Maybach I mean, they're, you know, yeah. a staggering cost for two tables, um, but <laughs> trialed and tested parts that have been put in other cars. And, you know, you find yourself in a cabin that hugely spacious, um, very comfortable. And, um, you know, we can also fit them with multimedia screens so that you can either, you know, Apple TV, you can have PlayStation, you can have the news on there, you can have Sky Go, and you can use yeah. it as a workhorse to get in and around while you're sitting in traffic and not usually doing anything. Does anyone register them as a taxi? Yeah, don't anyone do that? It's like, can you do that? You can't do that with our conversion on in them, no. So um, you can register them. To, to license a, a taxi properly, the car itself needs to go through a yearly inspection okay. with Transport for London and your driver has to have a taxi license. Yeah. So assuming you have both of those things and you have no conversion, 
um, then you can buy them and, and, and have a driver and, and use the bus lanes, etc. As soon as we start doing our level conversion, it takes it away from being registrable in, in, in that yeah. format. But a fair question. We may see some taxis, who knows, that drive, drive around taking their chances. Um, what customers do once I hand over the keys is completely down yeah. to them. Um, exactly. But, you know, obviously, yeah, exactly. But, um, you know, most of the people we sold them to at the moment, um, you know, I think have really loved them. Yeah. I think it, it's something so different, um, you know, super comfortable, arrive completely off grid. And now that this configurator is finished, you know, myself and Clive have been to a few international dealers, some in Europe and some in the Middle East. And, you know, there's various markets that are super interested um, because, you know, it's also on trend. The, the, the car itself drives purely on electric power. Um, it's got the eco-friendly image yeah. to it. And, um, you know, it's iconic. When we did the PR release, we never assumed it was going to go the way it did. Yeah. And, um, you know, there was country, you know, if you go on Google News and type in Sutton VIP Taxi, you know, there are countries and languages come up that I've never even seen before. <laughs> and I think it's because it's the iconic London taxi yeah. then taken to, you know, a very luxurious level. And, um, yeah, it's been, I, I would say it's probably been the biggest surprise product for me since I've been working. Clive, as soon as we built one of them, he's got a very natural ability at smelling and seeing yeah. opportunity. And I'll be honest, I thought he was mad to start with. <laughs> and, um, you know, his gut is generally usually right. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it has, it has been unbelievable. Yeah, it's the the sort of business side of it or selling two businesses makes perfect sense. The more I think about it, the more it makes more sense. Like selling to, like let's say London, for example. Now, London hotels, London taxi. If you've got a lot of international customers, that's great. And then you get in it and you're like, oh, wow, this is insanely luxurious. This could be your chauffeur car rather than a whatever it is, Rolls Royce or something. But also... The thing about London taxis, great turning circles. You can have uh, like five seats. Like you probably wouldn't do the six, but you can have five. Which five passengers? They don't fit in a luxury vehicle. There are no other luxury vehicles really without having jump seats and whatever. And no one does that. Um, where you can take all those people, or, or the one that I sort of see more now, prams, obviously. Um, obviously all that sort of stuff so it, it, it makes a lot of sense and i didn't realize the sort of scope of that market but it is quite large especially for this sort of yeah thing. i i think it's also when you then bring price into the equation um mm. because you know our starting conversion starts at 105 including vat um we go up to Plus about car. 135 one foot including brand new car oh wow okay so including brand new car, delivery miles, registered first into your name, you've got 105 starting and then goes up to about 140, 145, okay. in, in, including VAT. And when you think a company purchase, you know, most will do away with the VAT and reclaim it. You know, when you start thinking about the sort of other cars that they might have to have on their books to have a similar-esque sort of experience, you know, Maybachs, for example, um, you know, 
double, triple the price when, yeah. when spec properly. Um, you know, Bentley's again, maybe double the price. Long wheelbase Range Rover now, I think, is you know into the the late one hundreds, one seventy, one eighties, and you know this is on a price point very compelling and EV and EV friendly. It does have a one point five liter petrol generator, so okay. um, if the EV power runs out, the petrol generator will kick in. The car will not drive on the engine itself. That generator essentially charges the EV power. Yeah. So then it, it, it drives purely on EV power alone. So, yes, is that, environmentally. Is that the same in all of them? Is that yes. the standard powertrain for the the London all taxi? The I did not know yeah. that. That is, yeah. um, I feel like that's a slightly hidden fact. <laughs> it is. You assume that they're fully electric and, yeah. you know, you see them charging everywhere. Uh, but, the, yeah, they've all got 1.5 litre petrol generator. And, um, you know, you can set it in various different modes to do just EV or a combination of the two. I think most cabbies use it as, as a pure electric car when possible, obviously, yeah. because the running costs are so substantially cheaper. Um, but I think it's about 80 miles um, is a full one um, charge with a with, on the electric power side of things. Oh, that's not a, that's not tons. Um, no, but then I guess it's not got a super massive battery and probably doesn't take that long to charge. And then also, if it's on a fleet type situation or this sort of thing, you know, you just charge it at night, don't you? And then you're, you're yeah. Done. I mean the the, the charge the chargers. I don't know if you've ever have you ever had an electric car or ever dabbled a, in that direction. E two hundred eight. So little Peugeot. Fine. Little Peugeot. So yeah, so you know, the, the general chargers you get at home are around the seven kilowatt mark. Yeah. Now a seven kilowatt charger would generally charge most fully electric cars um in about eight hours. Uh now if you see on the side of the street you've got those big sort of semiconductor looking boxes. Yeah. Um they're a hundred to hundred and fifty kilowatts. I mean, that would fully charge this you know, in under half an hour, um, you know, you can charge. We just had a Porsche taken that went out where in 45 minutes, it will get you to about 180 miles or something. So, yeah, yeah. you know, the, around London now, there's more and more of these power units popping up. Um, and I think the range anxiety that people used to face is sort of getting a bit shorter, but ultimately if you're buying this setup of car, you're generally thinking much smaller journeys. You yeah. know, it's not really the one that you're going to go to the airport in or go to other cities in. It's yeah, generally yeah. going to not hit, hop around town. Yeah, it's 10 miles one way, 10 miles back max, like that that yeah. sort of thing around yeah. town. So yeah. if I, in the like longer journey things, and I've always looked at converted V-classes and um, other vehicles are available. <laughs> you see them occasionally, but generally V-class seems to get picked. Um, why does V-Class get picked the most apart from in other countries? I think one, if you're going to do the sort of conversion that we end up doing, um, you want to start with the nicest base car. Um, yeah. cause you know, if you're going to go for what turns out to be fully loaded, 175,000 pounds, you know, are you going to skimp off 20,000 pounds on the base car to yeah. go for, you know, like a Renault transporter or a Peugeot transporter versus going for Mercedes. So, 
you know, I think there's one element where, you know, in the passenger van um, segment, they are the best and the nicest to start with. Yeah. Uh, you know, the new EQVs, um, if you go for a premium plus, um, comes with a full air suspension setup. So the ride Ooh, now is, nice. is, is, is really, really good. So when you're thinking about ride comfort, um, the comfort is, is, is sensational. Um, and then also it's the workable space. So, um, we, I'm just going to share my screen with you again. You know, on the Mercedes product, we do two levels. Well, we do two different real um, offerings. Uh, one is the Sprinter base, yeah. which is very large. And to be, you know, I think it only can really appeal to corporates because very few people have space to park something of this size. Yeah. Whereas if you go to recently, B-class. Uh, that had one of those for sh- shuttling people around. Um but that, that yeah, makes exactly sense. that. Yeah, and they have, yeah, they have ample room, and also they're going to have the need to have like eight, nine passengers. Yeah. Whereas, generally speaking, you know, the the normal person generally has four or five people as as what they're looking mm. to get around. So, V V class size is is much much more user friendly. You know, you can park it in a normal car parking space. It's not difficult to get around. You know, even with a sprinter, you need to have a D1S category of license oh, okay. to even drive the thing because of the size. Yeah. Um, whereas with the V-Class, anyone can jump in and out of them. Uh, and then the level that we can go to on these is sort of similar concept to the taxi, uh, but arguably taken even a step further. Yeah. Uh, you know, we've been, and we've been involved in these sorts of coach builds, you know, for 15, 20 years. Um, what you can do inside of these cars now is, is, is just mind blowing. Um, you know, it's the same. We're using Bentley Napa leathers, mahogany wood. Um, but with this setup, you know, we can do a fixed partition wall with a 32 inch screen on it. Um, and on that screen, you've got cameras facing forward and backwards, cameras facing the driver, mm. cameras facing the speedo. Um, and more or less, you can put anything on these that you could have on your own yeah, setup yeah. at home. So people aren't just using these now as a vehicle to get from A to B. They're using them, one, as an entertainment hub because, um, you know, picking up friends, going out for dinner, um, you know, they've got, fridges whiskey cabinets yeah. um you know the, the 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 potential usages expand massively um or if it is on a work basis you know you can fit a 5g router 4g router full internet coverage you can have your screen your work office up in front of you and i've got a large level of customers who have sites in various different countries um sorry very various different cities and instead of wasting the time driving for hours on end and not being able to actually yeah. do anything useful with the time, you know, they sit in the back of these. They have retractable tables that come out, which I'll just show you here. And, you know, you can fully use it as a workhorse, as a mobile office while you're on the go. It makes absolute sense if you are, if you want to get stuff done or basically you like a bit of luxury, a, a V class versus an S-Class, is um, significantly more spacious. <laughs> like, significantly more. And you can have all the stuff, like you said. 
your screens and tables and things and whatnot. You're saying now with the E is it the EQV? Yes, the electric one. Um, yeah. You can get air suspension. Um, yeah, I mean the, the the one issue with the EQV is that I think it's Mercedes Benz first sort of dip in the toe of mm. um, you know really exploring their full electric capabilities. I mean I know they've got. EQC and now EQS and EQA, um, but because it's quite a large, heavy vehicle, you know the quoted ranges are still quite small. So you know, I think they quote figures of around two hundred miles. I mean, once you've got people in that and luggage, it's obviously a lot less. So you know, on an EQV standpoint, you know, we're generally building when we can get the cars from Mercedes, which is a whole nother complication um, <laughs> yeah. because we have had 15 on order for 18 months. And I think six arrived all in one go. And we did, we don't know about the rest yet, but generally speaking with customers bringing us cars that they own versus us um, supplying the base car as well. We're generally doing about three of these a month, give or take. Okay. Um, That's quite a lot. Yeah. I think um, COVID helped because of the division wall and the partition. And um, when a lot of people were worrying about how they were going to get their families around and, you know, it was this super deadly virus that you can't touch or breathe Mm. anyone, um, you know, it was fully secured off from anyone driving it. And it it, it gave that element of of security. Um, But, yeah, of those numbers, I would say, you know, 10% 10% maybe are on the EQV-based model. Um, most of them we build are on the V300, um, which is the normal. It's a diesel. They don't have a petrol option for the UK market, yeah. so it's just a normal diesel engine. I remember looking at, I can't remember why I was looking at V-classes. No, I, I, don't think I, I, was, I wasn't considering buying one for this reason, but I was looking at, oh yeah, I was looking at cars you could do, or vans you could do camper van conversions on. Yeah. Um, or, or you know, this sort of thing, just as like seeing what the situation was. And I was incredibly surprised that you couldn't get punchy engines in any of them. Like, I'm not that surprised because you don't actually want, um, like I have an E63 estate. And actually, mm. to be honest, to drive that smoothly takes a really careful foot because it just mm. like just wants to go. Um, and as a passenger, that's not particularly nice. But the the V-classes were the only ones that had anything remotely resembling any sort of any power um, especially when you load them up with heavy stuff yeah i think it is an ultimately no one is buying these to do performance-based driving it's all about keeping it as smooth as possible for the rear passengers you know on the taxi product on the v-class product and the sprinter based product we almost do nothing we don't do anything to the power we don't really do exhaust options because why would someone want to do them? No. Um, on the exterior, we 90% of the time keep them standard unless otherwise asked. The main reason being, you know, if you're going to have such a high level conversion, you pretty much want to keep it hidden. Um, you don't yeah. want to start putting spotlights on the car and, and they don't really suit the car um, to have many mods done anyway. I mean, I've seen some of our competitors start putting Maybach grills on and Maybach badges and silly wheels on them. And, you know, that's that's personal preference. I mean, for me, I think if you're going to have one of these, 
you keep the outside standard similar yeah. to what we said about the taxi you know you can arrive and it's just another v-class you could be in an addison lee people would only know when the doors open that there's either someone very special in there or there's a very special conversion yeah 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 definitely do you do anything to the sort of acoustics the glass and stuff like that um so glass we can have options i mean we, the main acoustic stuff is we, we do do a lot of soundproofing um mainly in the door cards mainly in the division okay um you know, we set it up in a way that the front driver could still listen to the radio and the rear passengers not hear, um, okay. and vice versa. So the rear passengers, obviously, if they're trying to have a party and they've got it on on full beans, then, you know, there's going to be some level. But, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, we yeah. have done, you know, and it's also down on the privacy side of things. I think, you know, any normal conversation couldn't be heard um, between the front yeah. and rear sections. Um, and... You know, we do have intercom options because at some stage you are going to need to communicate with the driver, whether you want yeah. to pull over or change direction. But that's all very much in control of the rear user at the back. So they have a button they can press for the intercom. Or on the V-Class, you can press a button and the full 32-inch screen you have in the middle um, fully comes down so that you can see the driver. So you're not okay, always yeah, completely that's shut nice. off if you don't want to be. Yeah, it's quite nice occasionally to have like a dialogue with an act you know there's a person there so it's quite nice to acknowledge that occasionally um, yeah i mean it's it's really interesting i mean we deal with a lot of football players a lot of guys in the film okay. industry um you would be surprised at how many are very very close and i mean not like close as in like employee close more like friendship close with their drivers They've either been in the family as a trusted member for many, many years, or they obviously spend a large amount of time together. Yeah. So, you know, in the taxi, we had one customer um, who still wanted to see, be able to see the driver and still have the multimedia setup. So we devised a clear perspex division for the top path um, so that they could still see. Um, okay, and then all yeah. the media, we then put at a lower section of the wall so they could still have the functionality that, that they wanted. Yeah, that's quite nice. And as you say, if you're one of these people that's being chauffeured around, whether it's between cities or whatever, you're spending hours and hours and hours on a daily, daily basis um, with this with this someone. So the chances are, you're going to chat to them a lot and yeah, and if they're your driver, they might be around for many, many, many years and, and whatnot. So, For sure. I yeah, mean, you also nice. have scenarios where it's the opposite, where they're in and out of drivers, you know, like me and you would change clothes. They um, don't trust anybody. They, um, yeah. you know, want to be very much secluded and kept off. So yeah. we, we, we cater for both sides. Um, but yeah. what has been surprising with these is, actually the bond that a lot of the I, I i think if you're a super high net worth individual celebrity i think once you have actually let someone into your inner circle um you know you can become very very trusting and and quite often we'll have scenarios where either the driver or the house manager will pretty much from start to finish manage the entire process and we'll only meet the end user maybe twice you know once to show oh, okay. the car and give the demo and then a second time once we're handing over to go through everything everything in between a and b is dealt with by a management 
individual of some capacity. Um, and that is more and more frequently we see it. I mean, it is mind blowing how many people that we're speaking to and that we see are, you know, considering these cars as options, you know, buying them. And, you know, I, I think a lot, I think on our normal retail side of things, I would say it's probably 50-50 in the terms of financing it or buying it on cash. But on these conversions, we do have finance options available. Um, but, you know, I'd say 80% are just yeah. buying them outright. Fair enough. So yeah. with a, if you want a tasty V-Class with like mm-hmm. a, you know, nice interior, et cetera, et cetera, what, what, what's a rough, what would that cost? Okay, so the base cars from Mercedes, assuming you can get them because of all the manufacturers we deal with at the moment, and and we deal with all of them, um, Mm. their build times and delivery times are really more like two years. Um, So assuming you can get the base cars, they range anywhere from 60 to 75, depending on if it's the diesel or if it's the EQV. Um, our conversions, I would say, start from around 45,000 plus VAT, and okay. um, they probably go up to about 100,000 um, uh, plus the VAT. And, yeah. you know, we generally find with all the custom projects we're involved in, while we like to give as many options as possible, we also know that giving too many options means you never get a decision. So it's the balance between giving someone the flexibility and the options, um, but also doing it in a focused way, which allows us to not be trying to think how are we going to redesign this console and and where are we going to put this armrest? I mean, fundamentally on the V-Class and the taxi, we have our options. You can choose your color. You can choose your stitching. Um, We will try to cater for additional requests but a lot goes on behind the visual panels that a customer would never know about that, you know, in the terms of getting the build done quickly, getting it done in a cost effective way means, you know, when we're ordering and building our consoles, we're doing it in volumes of 10. We're not doing one ad hoc, one, one ad hoc one yeah. or there. So, um, yeah, we don't give, we like to keep people along a path. They can have their choice. They can have the flexibility. If they really want something that we don't have or they've seen elsewhere, then we will try to cater and make it happen. Um, fish tank? Fish tank. <laughs> I love how that's the first thing that came into your mind. I actually don't think I've been asked for a fish tank before. We've been asked for jacuzzis in the back of pickup beds of trucks. That was a weird one. Um, because in pot- <laughs> how you keep the water in there is, is a whole other story. Um, I'm just thinking of Pimp My Ride, that's all, back in the yeah. day of the sort of absolute rubbish that people would chuck in these these sorts of vehicles. Yeah, I mean, the, the thing is with us is we like to do things on a proven um, yeah. method. You know, you do something custom and one-off, it might look lovely and the person might think it's brilliant, but ultimately we as a business have to stand on whatever we're building and we have to be comfortable that we're happy with what we're doing. And, you know, with the taxi, you know, we're doing, well, we're actually doing two, three, we're averaging two, three a month of those at the moment as well. Um, And we've got a format that I'm happy with, that we're happy with, you know, that we know we've got out on the road. We know it's reliable. You know, there will always be 
small things when customizing and playing with cars um but generally speaking um you know we're very happy with with the product that's being offered there um the v-class you know we're doing considerable numbers really um you know considering we've been involved in them for quite a number of years so you know everything that's in certain positions you know it's not like someone's coming and it's this is the first time we're trying it you know we've built you know many 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 examples they're all the same and and you know most of the parts we're using are trusted parts either made or we've seen in other cars um or you know formats that we've created that we're comfortable with yeah and for you guys as a business i imagine it's i've chatted to a few people about this sort of doing unlimited bespoke is like such a headache like you know, if it's what if it's your thing, fine. But most, I feel like most people find if they're doing one, it's okay. Once you're doing, you know, a couple a month or you know, so fifty a year or whatever it is, then actually doing everything completely bespoke, like it's just it's just too much. It's too much time communicating and doing stuff. Far too much time communicating. I I, I think also at any given time we're involved with so many different projects and too much time spent trying to understand the true bespoke nature of someone's request. Mm. It then just creates a bottleneck of other projects that we're working on. You know, we did do, and this was about four weeks ago, um, you know, because apart from doing the modifications to the programs that we've obviously discussed, um, yeah. You know, we also have people that say, well, you know, I've seen you do X, Y, and Z, um, you know, can you do this for me? And we had a customer that wanted a full Brabus G800, um, didn't have the car, didn't have the parts, didn't have anything, and basically asked us, you know, what can you do? And <laughs> I have very yeah, rarely do you deal with someone who is generally completely open checkbook? Um, I mean, I think yeah. with the final retail price of this car, bearing in mind the actual car cost about £160,000, I think our final bill was 350 And for okay. those who can see the screen, I'm sharing it now. Um, but this was a full... Brabus G800 conversion. I mean, completely, completely bonkers creation. Um, let me just see what loads up, and hopefully it's just going to give us the glitch. But you know, with this car, we did an entire satin back um, exterior body repaint, um, the full wide star body kit, basically Brabus carbon fiber, absolutely everywhere yeah. you could put it. Um, the Vossen alloy wheels. I mean, we even, bearing in mind this was a brand new car from Mercedes-Benz, he wanted us to retrim the entire car because he didn't like the leather design from Mercedes. Um, yeah, and um, that, that this is the power conversion that I'm showing here. So with something like that, can you just call up Brabus and say, look, I want all the bits? Does that does that work? Is that is that how it works? Yeah. So we um all, all of the parts that we've actually ordered for this are Brabus that came directly from Brabus themselves. Mm. Um so we um yeah, so we um we go to them with the order sheet of what we want to order and 
they trickle it over to us very slowly but surely. <laughs> um, you know, we deal with all various different parts suppliers, and I think everyone's had their challenges over over COVID. Um, but you know, due to parts related delays, I think this was nearly took six months. And when you think yeah, yeah, yeah. the size of this thing in our workshop. Um, you know, to do the G800 conversion, um, you actually have to remove the turbos for the car um, and send them to Brabus for them to um, do an upfit to them. And you can't even drive the car. So, you know, so you can imagine on our side of things, sort of linking back to your original question on the truly bespoke stuff, you know, it's our passion. We love to push the boat. We love to see what's possible. And, you know, once doing something like this, you know, undeniably now we will go on to build a few others for people because yeah. we know the format and we can do it now. Um, but, you know, when our principal aim with a taxi is, you know, by the time it's in, depending on the scale of the build, within four to eight weeks, we want to be delivering it to the customer. Yeah. Um, with the V class, it's slightly longer. It's more like three months. Um, but if we have good notice from someone, so, you know, for example, we take the order and we know the car from Mercedes is only arriving in December. There's a lot of the work we can actually get on with in the background. So a lot of the trimming, a lot of the consoles, a lot of the veneers, we can actually do it all so that when it arrives, there's far less to do. Yeah. So, you know, then it goes back to something truly bespoke like this G-Wagon was because, you know, although we've done all these individual aspects on different cars, you know, doing it all on one car was a very significant build. Yeah. Um, you know, it, um, it just took some time. And yeah, uh, yeah. on our side of things, on a business side of things, and I think any car dealer or, or anyone involved in selling cars, you know, your whole thing, model is basically on stock turnover and you know how quickly you've got the stock coming in how quickly you've got it going out and when you're messing around trying to do a very bespoke something for someone while we would always try and cater for it and most requests we've really had by now i have to be honest i I haven't really had anyone reach out to us in recent time and say something i thought was completely mental um so most things were set up to do within reason yeah, yeah, yeah. One of the things I wanted to, to sort of go over before we sort of start start wrapping it up is um, you do a lot of right-hand do- hand drive conversions. Yes. Um, <laughs> yeah, far away. Um, so I, I, and I had it on your website, you've got some examples of some of the cars and, and, you know, whether it's a Cadillac or whatever and it's right-hand drive. That, to get that to look good and work well is that quite is that quite a lengthy sort of development headache or not too bad no okay so i couldn't even tell you how many inquiries we get a week for right hand drive conversion i mean potentially 15 to 20 inquiries a week we get (laughs) okay and the lion's share of them are people who assume it's a two, three thousand pound job, you know, Uh, Oh, it's quick and easy. You change the steering wheel over and you know, it's not a big job. I mean, to put it into context, the conversion, depending on the model, they vary very slightly, but 
you know, they're around £40,000 plus VAT to be done properly. Now, we only really work with US models because there's no point us offering a conversion on a BMW 1 Series that is manufactured yeah. in left and right-hand drive. So we're mainly doing it on US cars that you can only have, uh, only manufactured in left-hand drive. Yeah. Now, the research and development costs that go into doing a specific model are extensive. You know, it often create there often needs to be a donor car. Um, you know, our process is re-engineering, remanufacturing the drive shaft and steering rack. You know, we don't. I've seen and we've had some conversions come back to us where people are panicking about what they've purchased. And, you know, there's chain belts connecting the drive shaft to some ooh, temporary ooh. device that has been made. You know, hugely dangerous, you know, something we never want to touch or yeah. be involved in. And, um, you know, our process is very much state-of-the-art production line-esque sort of manufacturing. Um and we most of them end up going to Australia and Southeast Asia because in Australia and Southeast Asia, um, left-hand drive imports are completely prohibited. You have yeah. to have a conversion. Now, Australia has very strict crash safety guidelines. Um, so all of the – I'd say nine, the lion's share of the conversions end up going to Australia – Okay. Um, and I would say a small, small volume come to the UK. I think, mm. you know, we'd be doing anywhere between half a dozen to a dozen a year in for the UK market. Um, and, you know, it comes at a, a sizable investment. Um, the investment does hold value in the car, mainly because, you know, the conversion, depending on the model, can take anywhere from four to six months from start to finish to deliver to someone. Yeah. So, you know, I actually had one of the first ones come back in part exchange about four months ago, which was a 2018 F-150 Raptor. Okay, yeah. And that had 16,000 miles. Uh, we ended up selling it for 90,000 plus VAT. We have a 2018 Raptor also with about 15,000 miles in stock right now that we're selling for 60,000 plus VAT. So, you know, the value of the yeah. investment, while it doesn't all 100% transfer over um, when you sell it, um, you know, it does increase the value of the asset for sure. Um, but it's, you know, for us, a hugely labor intensive process, um, you know, depending on what market the car is for. Most of the work is actually completed in Southeast Asia. Um, we do small volume conversions here, yeah. mostly on classic cars, uh, but it's mainly set up in Southeast Asia because that's where it's distributed um, yeah. for those markets. Yeah. yeah, that makes sense. I was went to Australia a while ago, um, just on like a leisure trip, but I popped into a high-end car dealership and was chatting to them about this whole <laughs> left-hand drive problem for them of like really high-end cars you know your laferraris and stuff like that that are only left-hand drive um and people are buying them and only driving them on like private tracks and stuff private land yeah yeah or private land yeah um it's all quite interesting yeah it's bonkers i mean australia on a custom side of things um have teetered with the idea of becoming a bit more open on their import laws, um, mainly in the terms of actually importing cars from the UK. 
but right now it's a very difficult um you know it's a very difficult market to actually send cars into um because they're very rigid on 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 their import laws um so yeah the right hand drive conversions we because of our involvement in us based cars and mm. because of having the people you know, people some people can just fundamentally not live with having a left hand drive car in the uk uh-huh. um, i personally have been jumping in and out of of them and all of my colleagues jump in and out of them. I mean, it's a process you get used to very, very quickly. I mean, a lot of the cars we're selling aren't the type of cars that you're going to drive to McDonald's with and be trying to get something through the window. And so being on the wrong side's a problem. Um, So, you know, there's a huge market for American cars. Now, some people fundamentally can't live with it being in left-hand drive. I mean, we're doing at the moment, it's probably going to be one of the most special trucks or well, definitely in Europe, if not the world, but a customer came to us with a Dodge Ram TRX. Um, and then he had sent it to John Hennessy. Um, I don't know if you know Hennessy yeah, out yeah. in the States, but um, for, to do their mammoth conversion. And he's then sent it to us to convert it to right-hand drive. So <laughs> it will be the only right-hand drive rap mammoth trx probably in the world and um that is nearly finished and on the way back to us and we'll be going to the customer shortly uh so some people yeah i mean it's a really really bonkers truck i mean even seeing it in standard in left-hand drive was just mind-blowing but then converting it to right-hand drive as well i mean it is is an unbelievable i presume he's not doing the six by six no, six by six would almost, you know, I'd actually go as far to say it'd be impossible to register here. <laughs> um, the the DVLA, I don't know how, what, what the laws are out in the US, but they seem to promote doing that sort of bonkers stuff yeah. to their cars out there. Um, yeah, here, you know, to get one of those registered would be very difficult. You know, I know there's a few six by six G63s here. Mm. Um, again, hugely complicated with the DVLA to get that properly registered. I think a lot of people keep them on foreign plates and yeah. take them in and out of the country to refresh their six months. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Or they just disappear for a bit <laughs> and then they come back. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. Fair enough. Um, okay, well, I normally wrap these up with five questions. Uh, Car-based stuff. Are you ready? I'm very ready. Do you have a most memorable driving trip or journey? Oh, lots of driving trips and journeys. I think the one that comes to mind actually was Salon Privé Blenheim last year. Um, They had this section at the end of the show where they created almost a time trial, like a sprint section at the front of the palace. And I had one of our CS850 Mustangs, so one of our 850 brake horsepower Mustangs. Yeah. And, I mean, it's like an experience you couldn't pay for. I mean, driving through the Palace of Blenheim, all through the back areas, um, lining up in front of the Palace, basically being given a green pass to do what the hell you like. <laughs> and, you know, there was a few hundred meter strip where you could absolutely thrash it. But then afterwards, all the grounds and the back gardens, basically, you know, they had roped it all off so that the wardens were there. And, you know, I've done a lot of the driving tours and I've done a lot of the, you know, racing experiences. But 
you know, you couldn't pay as an individual to, to have a that, green yeah. card around Blenheim Palace and, you know, basically do donuts and tear the car up. So <laughs> I think um, that probably stands out as the most memorable because I just would never be able, you would, no one would, yeah. you know, you just couldn't pay money to do something like that. Yeah, that sounds, that sounds pretty fun. If you yeah. could only drive one car for the rest of your life. Oh, um, you can't ask that to a car dealer. You know, really do I get a, situ- and- a situation... <laughs> So you, well, get, you can and you have <laughs> you get a, a cheap um, car on the side and okay. one car so it can be a, it's, it basically it can be a sports car of any value I think but it's I rest think of your life. all listen I think when you think rest of your life you've obviously got to think that you probably need a boot and you probably need to have isofix options or well, this is why you can have a cheap car this is why you can have a cheap car on the side whether you want to I put your the, family in a relatively cheap energy. car that's up to you but um I think probably the best all-rounder for me at the moment would probably be the newer generation of the Bentley Continental. Yeah. I think you get the performance-based thrill when you can go for the W12. I think you get the luxury and comfort that very few other cars can give you. You can have four people in it. You can have Isofix in it. You can have golf clubs in the boot. So I think if I was had to commit to one for the rest of my life, given all life's different yeah. scenarios that one would probably cover enough boxes that I'd, I'd be happy with it. And you would go W12, not V8? Probably just because you could as an option. I mean, don't get me wrong. The V8 is a beautiful engine. Um, you know, we've got a Bentayga amongst um, some of the cars with the W. So, yeah, I mean, it, it, that would be the only consideration is what engine to go. Yeah. I mean, they're all going now hybrid and electric soon as the news with those. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's a very. Um, I had someone asking me recently. The their other half had bought a, a Continental, and they wanted a nice car. And I and we ran ran through a bunch of options. And I was like, seriously, I think what you're asking me is like, can I have a two Bentley garage? Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> and I know you. Do, I know you don't like the answer, and you want to have something else. But everything you're telling me about a car you want, I feel like is in that car. It is in that car. <laughs> exactly so yeah um, i think that would be my um that would be my my one for life fair enough what is the most undervalued car at the moment what should be worth more <laughs> i don't think anything i think everything's overvalued at the moment um yeah i don't know of any desirable cars currently that you can buy at sensible money really i think if you're t- i'm probably biased towards this one but if you've got up to fifty thousand pounds to spend I don't think you can beat a Ford Mustang, to be honest. Um, you get the yeah. five litre V8, you get, you know, over 400 brake horsepower. Um, you don't get, you know, you have with some supercars or Porsches, you know, you have some people that react badly to them. They give yeah. a preconception to that person or that buyer. You know, I had a Mustang for 2017. I had it for over a year and yeah. I have never had a car like it. Um, every petrol station, people giving, just coming to have a chat with you, every street corner, people putting thumbs up and just a general love for it. So I think if you've got 50 grand to spend, I don't think there's any other car you can buy brand new that will give you the performance, the driving experience, the community aspect than the new shape uh, Mustangs do. Yeah, fair. And I think there's a lot in that sort of cheap uh not cheap, cheaper uh, sort of mm. performance car, something like the Mustang is 
it makes you it's accessible it's more accessible to everyone so people are more friendly like people will approach you and chat about it because they can sort of go oh you know i could probably get one of those or i've got one or whatever that sort of thing exactly whereas as soon exactly. as you start getting more and more extreme and, and and as it just goes up and up and up and up and up and up people like no one's coming to talk to you yeah well they might yeah, exactly. but like not not the same number um yeah what is the most interesting car to you at the moment what are you googling what are you looking up i think the, what I'm Googling and researching the most is obviously this surgence of electric cars. Um, they, yeah. I wouldn't say they're as, as much personal interest to me, but obviously our industry is going that way. And yeah, you have yeah. to be on top with, I mean, the Lucid Air that's coming out is just the most ridiculous looking car. I actually um, yeah. saw one at Goodwood and, 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 and ordered one. Um, but Can you order them here? That, or have- or is that a so they you don't know they're come no they're, if you wanted one as of today I could import you one and have it registered and you'd have it in about three months time give or take but that would be in left hand okay. drive okay. Um, right hand drive has been confirmed and for the life of me I tried to eke it out of them in Goodwood um, <laughs> no one was saying a thing I, I my guessing is it's going to be twenty twenty four yeah right hand drive but you're dealing with a 1,111 horsepower, 600 mile range, and the interior, you know, I wouldn't say Bentley level, but not far off, you know, really yeah. high quality build. Um, so I think coming forward, that probably looks like one of the most interesting. Um, but my passion is 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 very loud and very powerful engines, <laughs> not electric cars. So maybe the 812 you know, I always have my, I, I love the 812. So, um, yeah, you know, yeah, that would be my cool things. Right. Yeah. Final question. Five car garage, unlimited value. Right. One classic for sure. Um, so I would say the 1967 Mustang, um, cool. fully restored the whole shebang. Yeah. Um, would you keep it sort of classic or would you mess with it? Yeah. Well, no, I, I I do. It would be fully restored, um, you know, um, classic looking from the exterior for sure. Engine choice, probably an old school big block. Um, and yeah, probably a, a, a more of a classic theme, but all fully restored. Yeah. Um, you'd need an SUV for sure. I think probably new shape G-Wagon or the Brabus yeah. G800 we spoke about before. That would be nice. very nice. Um, Bentley Continental, like I said, that's like your all-round sort of Grand yeah. Tour. Um, the supercar or the hypercar—you'd have to throw Koenigsegg in the mix. Um, yeah. Undecided as to which one, but I think the Koenigsegg brand is just unbelievable. Um, yeah. So that would be hypercar, and then I think you need one American muscle car, wouldn't you? So a new American muscle car. So maybe a Dodge Demon or a Dodge Hellcat, something along those lines. Was that five? Uh, was that six? I feel like that's five. I think that's five. That's five. five. five With a, the Demon is the sort of, the late, it's like the 800 and whatever horsepower one, isn't it? Have they done, yeah. is there a level, have they got done anything since that that get, has got made it more extreme or anything? Yeah, so the Demon, I think, was the only one that was a limited production run. So they did 3,300, and they'll never produce another. Um, So they have created something called a Superstock, 
um, which powerizes essentially the demon engine. Yeah. Um, and I have seen rumors of another one that they're te- teetering doing a thousand horsepower version. Um, God knows what they'll call it. It will probably be some dynamic creature or something. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think, um, to be honest, the Hellcat at, at 717 brake horsepower, you know, is anyone going to notice the 80 horsepower difference? Um, you know, maybe Lewis Hamilton would, but your average Joe, I think, um, yeah. probably wouldn't. It was more interesting because it was a low volume car and yeah. you couldn't, you could, you, you couldn't get, you just couldn't get another one. So yeah, that, yeah, yeah. that was what made them interesting. Yeah. And presumably those, I've not driven one. I've seen videos and whatnot. Presumably traction is a major issue. You would be surprised. I mean, listen, if you're comparing it to, you know, like some of the Mercedes or some of the European offerings that have the computers and the gizmos to keep you grounded, you buy a car for that, for the experience. It is so rogue. It is so raw. Um, They're quite heavy and they do have a very wide stance. So the traction is a lot better than what I think you'd probably assume. Um, But... Yeah, I think, you know, best suited on a straight line, a Hellcat, undoubtedly, uh, and just an enormous amount of power. When you really put your foot down in one of those, you get the traditional American V8 supercharger Y, and you've just got an explosion of sound coming behind you. And you're sitting, you know, usually to get that kind of experience, you're sitting in like a cramped sports seat. Yeah. Yeah, you know, yeah, they're yeah. designed for the man really that is six foot plus and has enjoyed his pints and food. Um, yeah. And, you know, you can sit in these big comfort seats and yeah, they're an amazing, amazing experience. Those cars. Yeah. They look a lot of fun and they sort of embody that kind of American muscle. Yeah. Um, cool. Well, thanks very much for coming on the podcast for a, a bit of a chat. Really enjoyed it. Yeah, really enjoyed it. Appreciate the time. And um, yeah, if any of your viewers who or any of your listeners didn't see any of the stuff we were viewing, um, you know, our website, um, I'm sure you'll include some of the information, um, but it's all on clivesutton.co.uk. And um, our configurators and all visual demonstrations are all easily findable on the website. Cool. And then your London dealership, is that um, near Lord's? Correct. Yeah. So we're based on um, our head office premises is in the Lord's Cricket Ground, just off the roundabout. Yeah. Uh, we're actually in the process of um, moving. Well, we've been looking for seven months. I mean, property in London. If any of your listeners have property in London, please reach out to us. Um, <laughs> but we have been looking for, yeah, we've been looking for a while to move um, sort of in the Park Royal-esque area. Because at the okay. moment, we're, div- we're divisionally split across sort of three different sites. Um, but we would love to have all of our beautiful toys under one roof. And then, um, you know, the plans at the moment, we sort of on average have about 60 cars in stock. Um, but we would like to get to a place where we're at sort of 120, we 120, 140 sort of level. So need more space and bang in the center of London. There is none of it. Yeah. 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 There is not, but cool. Well, thanks very much. Pleasure. Thanks so much. Thank you. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.